Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talked to Steve Atkins Linnell, the man behind London Visited, the YouTube and podcast channel dedicated to London, UK. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I know you're going to. It's a cracker. Let me know your favourite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this. It would mean the world to me, and I'm sure Steve too, if you share this episode far and wide. There is probably at least one person you'll think of when listening who would benefit from hearing it. Maybe someone you know is going to Wimbledon and wants to hear the Wimbledon edition of Steve's podcast. It's very, very interesting, so make sure to let them know. Uh, One also quick request from me before the good stuff. If you do find this podcast helpful and or entertaining, and trust me, in this case, it's definitely both, feel free to return a favour and help me by leaving a review or giving a rating in your podcast provider of choice. Anyway, enough from me rambling. Now, on to the podcast. Um, okay, Steve Atkins, Linnell, a very, very warm welcome to the you interview. Did I say it right? Absolutely spot on. <laughs> Cracking. Oh, on, you're, a bit, you're a bit loud in my ears. Um Thank you for joining me today. It's, uh, I, I came across your channel very recently, actually, but I've been kind of binging it a little bit, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But obviously, I'm, I'm from London myself originally, so it's kind of, I don't go back that often, and me and my wife went back a couple of weekends ago, and it's kind of nice. It's just, it's weird, like watching your channel is sort of a bit of a trip down memory lane for me. And, uh, so for those who don't know who you are, you are the owner of a YouTube channel and a podcast and a website about visiting London. Yeah, absolutely. London visited. Um, And it's really funny you should say what you did just then, Chris, because so many of our viewers are people that have lived in London um, and have now emigrated to other parts of the world and want to see what London looks like on a regular basis. And it's really, really funny because uh, I've got people all parts of the this is just the beauty of the internet, but the beauty of YouTube. You don't know yeah. where people are watching from. And then all of a sudden people start messaging you and contacting you from New Zealand, from Americas and all the rest of it. And people have gone, I lived in whichever street. If you get a chance, can you go back and film it? <laughs> it's almost like personal request. But when you do stuff and people go, I spent my life having lunch at a cafe, which is just, you've just walked past or whatever. And it's fantastic. And for me, I think that aspect of community, I'm going to talk a lot about community because for me, community is absolutely everything. Um, But that sense of community you get from people reminiscing from when they lived there or when they spent a two week holiday, which was a trip of a lifetime. Because let's face it, coming to a city for anyone from another country is one heck of a big expense. So making it into a trip of a lifetime and then being able to go back there when they want to dip in is incredible as well. So so whereabouts were you in London? Oh, so we, well, where did I live or where did we go back for yeah. the weekend? Where, where, did you, where did you live in London? Well, I, I lived just outside in Hertfordshire, but I used to work, I've worked in London pr- pretty much my whole life. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, I used to commute into Liverpool Street, into the city for years and years and years. And then we moved to the other side of Hertfordshire and then I commu- commuted into Farringdon for years and years and years. And then uh, we moved out to the Cotswolds in uh, oh. lockdown. Lockdown, a lockdown. Beautiful movers. part of the world. 
Yeah, it is. It, it, you know, it really is. And I, I kind of feel bad talking about it sometimes because someone's like, oh, people feel like you're London bashing or city bashing or whatever. But it, I got two young kids and as much as I lived, uh, sorry, as much as I love St. Albans and the rest of it. Oh, I know St. Albans I, well. Do you? No, St. Albans. I was brought up in Watford. So okay. uh, St. Albans being down the road, used to spend yeah. my youth in Wheat Hampstead in a pub there, which is called The Wicked Lady, which you probably know because it's a free house. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. Amazing place. Um, St. Albans, I worked in that area for about four years of my life and everything surrounding. So Hertfordshire, all the rest of it, I know that sort of area. So yeah, okay. St. Albans is very expensive because as you say, you're on the Thames link straight in, yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. minutes into London, house prices and the price cost living there is absolutely well massive the train the train i just funny and it's boring for most people listening but the train there actually surprised me the first time we moved there we didn't really look into it we just assumed it was good uh good you know good uh commuter links and they're amazing <laughs> like i i was used to the the other side of hertfordshire where I, I used to live and it was just like oh my god you know train might turn up it might not you don't know uh you might be standing there for 20 minutes half an hour but like these trains are just always flew through straight in 20 minutes you're in blackfriars it's incredible isn't it and then over to the yeah. other side of london and out to gatwick it's just incredible yeah. so but but you pay for it because you've got that aspect of the commutability <laughs> so much yeah indeed indeed well look before before we lose half the audience who uh, got no no interest in in the transport links of north of north london um tell me about youtube or i'm gonna so look, tell me about london visited um why you started it why you brought youtube into it why you brought podcasts into it and the whole content creation side of things sure so started london visited back in 2019 um and it's like every single youtuber you will talk to anyone that's got anything which is a creative it's one of those things where you thought about it for so long and actually yeah. eventually took the plunge and every single creator you talk to says the same thing i wish i'd started it earlier when i first started thinking about it three or four <laughs> years prior it's i feel it, like i feel like you're earwigging the conversation i had literally half an hour with someone go with someone it is bonkers isn't it it really is yeah. everyone says the same thing i wish i started um how long had you how long had you been thinking about it oh probably two or three years um and youtube in general or london visited uh youtube in general but then okay. having a london aspect to it so so the reason for the london aspect to it so um being as you know, actually this links into the conversation we've had already but being brought up in Watford I used yeah. to spend a lot of my weekends going backwards and forwards into town into city into yeah. London and I absolutely yeah. loved it I love that freedom of being able to get on a train getting off in uh, at Euston station and then all of a sudden you're in central London you could walk pretty much anywhere within about 10 or 15 minutes and I think yeah. this is the bit that people don't don't understand who haven't been to London or been to one of these sort of big cities. Everything is so close. Yet when you see something on YouTube, when you see something um, on the television, it makes it look yeah. like it's flipping miles apart. When you look, and a great example, sorry to come back to transport, but transport is a key bit. You look at the underground <laughs> map, you look at the underground map, and if you want to go yeah. from Green Park, for instance, which a lot of people go to because you've got Buckingham Palace, but actually you want to go to Tottenham Court Road, to do that on a train will take you about 20 minutes to half an hour because you've got to go down, you've got to do change and all the rest of it. Actually, you can walk it in 10 minutes yeah. and everything 
And it's a nice walk as well. Oh, it's a beautiful walk. You know, mm. going through Mayfair, through, you know, New Bond Street and all that. It's just, and it's a beautiful way to do it. So, brought up in London, I've also worked in London for about 35 years of my life as well. Um, okay. So, I really do have that knowledge. But then what was happening was I had a young family and I was taking the family up to London and they were loving it, but they were seeing stuff for first time and to be able to see London again through their eyes, being able to see that bit of the excitement that I had when I first saw it, but actually took for granted. um, It was just like, do you know what? This is absolutely flipping ridiculous. Why don't I do something about it and share London through brand new eyes to people on a wider scale. Hence London visited, hence London. And that original aspect was, how can you get London across to families? So if you're coming to London, not only can you go and see the great things that you want to go and see, all the touristy bits, but actually let's show you the places you can go so you're not absolutely spending a fortune. Because also having a young family, you haven't got much disposable income. It's a treat, but actually how can you make that money go further and go and see stuff, go and eat in places that not many people know about, but actually it's not going to cost you an arm and leg. But you can do it with a budget. And you'll appreciate that with a young family yourself. Money is key. You want to go and enjoy it. How can you do it? And that's where London Visited was born from. I just want to go back quickly before we carry on talking about London Visited. So you said, so the whole point of this podcast is obviously I want to inspire other content creators. And that might be be the people you talk about, right, who have been looking at doing it for a few years and never pulled the trigger. I'm kind of curious how you, so you said, you were looking at doing something on YouTube for about three years. Yeah. And then you landed on London Visited. Yeah. I guess my first question is, like, why did you want to do something on YouTube? Right. One of the things I absolutely adore is helping people. So I wanted to do something where I could help people in some way, shape or form. Um, The London aspect came a little bit later, but it actually wasn't that far behind it. But the bit is, how can I share my experience or my love of something with other people? And it was then a case of, what am I going to settle in on to do that? Um, And actually, the London aspect was probably something I thought, right, how can I help people in working or dealing with other people or, you know, relationships with other people, you know, working together and teamwork and things. And in the end, I thought, do you know what? There's just so much of that out there. And then I just thought, and I thought... Actually, there are London channels, but when I started doing research, there were London channels, but I couldn't find family-friendly London channels. I okay. couldn't, I could, you know, if you wanted to take a tour or if you wanted to watch someone walk from one place to another, you could do that. But there wasn't that aspect of the family bit. So right. bringing the family up, so hence niching down, and that's where it came to that. Um And the one bit I would say, anyone listening who's thinking, do you know what, I want to start a channel, but... I don't think I can do it. I'm not ready for it. You're never ready for it. You are never, ever ready to start it. And your worst videos will be your first videos, but you've got to get something up there to start doing it to improve bit by bit by bit. (laughs) Do you know what? It's such a cliche. It is. But it's it's the biggest cliche. Everyone says the the same thing. True cliche that's out there. And if you don't do it, you'll never know. And I look back at the stuff now, and I'm not embarrassed by the first stuff I put up there because I knew it was a learning process. Um, And and there's still live. I haven't I haven't 
killed them off. So if anyone wants to go and have a look and see what the first go and all the rest of it, you know, bins in in the middle of Piccadilly. I remember that <laughs> filming Piccadilly Circus, and they're thinking everyone would love Piccadilly Circus because you've got the screens and all the rest of it, buses going past, dust carts going past at Leicester Square, and bins sitting there in the middle <laughs> of the video, and you think, oh dear, yeah, really, but. If you don't do it, you don't start and you don't learn and you don't then not do it next time. So yeah. it doesn't matter when you think you're ready. Just get it up there. Okay. I kind of interrupted you. and you, you, you No, it's not. You, you kind of nicely segued onto the next question. Now, obviously, London is a big place. There's lots going on. Um, how do you decide? Like, what's behind your brainstorming process? Like, how yeah. do you decide? I mean, there must be a million things written down in your notebook of, like, what you could create a video about. So how, how do you brainstorm what works, what doesn't work, what to focus on? One of the things that I love is tech. Um, and I think anyone that's in the sort of YouTube and in the media space, you just love a new app or a new bit of tech or whatever to do it. I use yeah. um, I use a sort of a task manager, which is called ClickUp, uh, which is a free free thing and i have that on my i have it on my desktop i've got it on my mobile i've got it on my tablet so if i go right. somewhere or someone says something and i think do you know what i need to cover that i'll put it in there so i've probably got a list of about 50 different places still to film um okay. <laughs> within that and then i just keep adding to it and then what happens is as you also build a community people say oh is there any chance you can go and do and can you do that <laughs> Um, and there are some outlandish ones where you go, well, actually, that's not in London. So, no. Um, someone I know said, can you go and film Cambridge? And it's like, I would love to, but it's not called Cambridge Visited, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> yeah. Once we've exhausted everything in London. Exactly. Once you've exhausted everything, then I'll, sort of, I'll start moving yeah. out and start, and start yeah. doing it. Um, but it's a case of capturing those things. Now, when you start doing it, you're going to go and do, we did the obvious places, which were Leicester Square, Piccadilly Circus, Buckingham Palace, you know, the outside, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, but then when you start finding other places, and also the beauty is the world is changing every moment. And I'll give you a prime example of that. Last Thursday, just gone, they opened yeah. for the first time in three years after renovation, the National Portrait Gallery in London. And okay. it had been closed for three years for renovations and they reopened it. So I knew that was coming. So then it's in film video up yesterday. And it's a lot of stuff is now predicated by also what's going on. Yeah. So I'll give you another another prime example. Um, Thursday nights in Leicester Square seem to be movie premiere nights. So a couple of weeks right. ago, I just I just walked through like I do sometimes, and it was like, what's going on here? And it was Take That performing for the new film, which is called The um, Greatest Days. And they wow. we got invited into Leicester Square because um, I just happened to be hanging around, saw Take That do a three-set gig, saw the people, you know, Ashling B, she's the star of it, so she was walking around before they all went into the cinema. Walked back this Thursday, of course, Tom Cruise comes in and he drives in um, and go through. So all it demonstrates is there is so much always happening. And I know for yeah. a fact this Thursday, because the new Indiana Jones film is coming out, I'm guessing Harrison Ford will be in Leicester Square this Thursday if I want to. So there's always stuff that's happening. Now, that's just one microcosm of it. But yeah. things like uh, museums and galleries and sorts of stuff going through. And I don't do it from the point of an expert. One of the biggest things I always tell the audience is I'm no art critic I'm no connoisseur or anything else I just want to view it through normal eyes if that makes sense yeah. and if people want yeah, to yeah. take it to the next step then do it but it's all sort of family stuff and this is where the uh, this is what I love about YouTube 
it then evolves. So it started off as being about family and bringing your kids right. in and, and going stuff. But actually, it sort of developed into a wider aspect. So actually, let's just cover what's going on in London. But actually, we also make sure we cover accessibility because that's a critical bit. And once again, the community is then built where people then start coming in and saying, okay, so that's great, but actually, can you access these things? So we make sure we cover accessibility, lifts, ramps, etc. cetera. Um, one that I filmed... See, we still keep going on the family aspect. So you know Morph, as in yes. Tony Hart, Morph and all the rest of it. Yeah. Right. So they have got a two-month trail around the city of London where they've put 56 different Morph models, six-foot-high Morph models around London. So they're underneath okay. St. Paul's Cathedral. They're over a bank. They're by the Tower Bridge. So actually during the summer holidays until the 20th of August, you can take your kids up there, go walking around London, completely free. Everything yeah. is step-free, so it's all accessible. And you can go and, on an app, you can log in the morphs that you find. So you've got something that's not only physical, but interactive. Oh, wow. So the and world that, and is... That highlights, your, that highlights your point about how easy it is to walk around London, isn't it? It is. But then the bonkers we did, we did, thing was, we did, we did I was filming the Christmas tr- yeah, Oh, did you? Go on. We've got to say we did the Christmas tree trail a few years ago. Um, my daughter would have been uh, three, two or three, and my and my my brother and his kid came down. And do you know what? I like I said, I've lived in and around London pretty much my whole life, and I'd never done that before, and it was incredible. And we we literally came into St Pancras and we walked this huge circle. So you caught the tree at St Pancras Station because they always have a yep. new one there every yeah, yeah, year. Yeah. Yep. Oh. And you basically do you basically do this big loop kind of like towards the city, back down to the river, back around to sort of the West End, and then back again. It was just it was a wonderful day. It's amazing, isn't it? And you could do that yeah. under your own steam. There's plenty of yeah. places where you can stop, go for a coffee, you have a you know, have an ice cream or or whatever, and it just yeah. builds that in. But then what I've really actually realised, and the reason it's moving away from being a family bit, but it's for everybody, is when I was filming these morphs last week, and the video comes out on that on Wednesday, I actually noticed there wasn't a single child nearby. It was adults who were actually say that, at these things that- taking selfies. You're a similar age to me, I think. So more, is more still around these days? It's like, I mean, Tony Hart's not. You're kidding. Yeah, it's oh, really? on. The, it's on the Sky channels, um, and also Ardman have taken it over. So Ardman, um, you know, uh, Wallace and yeah. Gromit, the, the, the yeah. company, they've taken it over. So actually, it's a massive thing. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so it's so it's back. It's on the kids' channels. And it's, oh, okay. so you've got all these adults almost fighting to try to keep the kids away so they can all have <laughs> selfies with all of these different themed it's brilliant but okay. that's, but the way technology and everything now sort of embraces so you've got an app which supports the whole thing um, yeah. so actually if you've got kids that are really really tax heavy tech heavy then actually you've got something to keep them busy as well whilst you're doing the walking whilst you're seeing london because you're walking down by tower bridge and you've got tower of london and hms Bill, you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. that route that you talk about and it keeps everyone happy mm. and it's just it, there's always stuff happening sorry <laughs> no 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 it's just it's it's it's, it's... It's kind of, I mean, the passion for London is 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 good, and it's. I was talking to, I was telling my wife this at the weekend when I was a kid. So I from about thirteen, fourteen, like where I lived was kind of prime uh, suburban commuter belt into London for like all the yeah. spot brokers, right? And it's like you know everyone drove BMWs, and it's just like I was, I was so enamoured by the whole thing. I was like, I want to work in the city. Yeah. 
And I used to go up there. I used to get the train into Liverpool Street on a Sunday or a Saturday or a Sunday. Right. When, I mean, you, you'll know that the city's dead. Like, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And I used, to, I used to just walk around, like staring mm. at the buildings, thinking, oh, I want mm. to do this one day. Mm. And it's kind of funny how, like I said, I lived there a long, long time, right? So when I used to go and visit my friends, like in New York or something, I'd, I'd want to walk around all day looking at Absolutely. Like, oh, they're like, oh, God, I don't, you know, bored of this. Yeah. And you yep. sort of forget your own your own city, right? And it's you take it for granted. You do, yeah. What you do. what you don't see, and it's coming back to that a bit again. You don't see it through a first time visitor's eyes because you become, it, well, you know, that's, that's just Hyde Park. Almost. That's yeah, that's just Hyde yeah. Park. You know, that's just Hyde Park Corner. That's just Piccadilly. That's just you know, yeah. Fort Mason. It's it's there, but actually to see this stuff again through a first time visitor or someone that's coming in and actually making the use of it because let's face it when you go somewhere you go do you know what right i'm going to a city so actually my schedule is i'm going to get up and i'm going to absolutely cram the day because i want to go and see everything and actually if you can if you can add that to what you're doing then there that does it have you ever done any walking tours yeah um i haven't done tours but okay. what I have started doing is I've got a series of videos on there where I walk from one place to another right. with the camera on. But what I've done is I've seen some other people do it, but when they do it, they just do it and they don't talk. Yeah. Whereas what I do when I'm doing it is I'll put the history into it because right. one yeah. of the things that I've learned so much. So I hate as a child, I hated history. If there was one lesson at school, I absolutely detested its history. Um, and now my wife says I know more about London history than she did, and she loved. <laughs> so I, and the podcast has enabled me to learn things. So when I'm now walking from point A to point B, it's a walking commentary on what we're going past, where it is, but also yeah. that history behind it and having that historic knowledge, which has been developed because of the YouTube channel and the podcast, and not because of nothing else, yeah. then it adds to it. And people go, ah, oh, so actually that is quite close. And actually, if I go for her there, I can actually see where King Charles I was executed because actually there on the horse guard parade, on the horse guard's clock is the dot at yeah. the hour that he was executed. And, and for people, it brings it to life. Because for most people, they just think it's a dirty mark on the clock. But actually, if you look at the clock at Horse Guards, two o'clock, there's a black dot under the number two, and that signifies the time at which King Charles the King Charles the First was beheaded at Horse Guards Parade, just on Whitehall. Interesting. You, interesting. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I was going to ask you about the podcast, and I was going to say sort of how did that come about. And actually, I was yeah. listening to it this morning, and I didn't really know what to expect. So I've seen some of your YouTube videos which make total sense from a YouTube point of view. Mm. I was like, I wonder how he's going to do this with a podcast. And actually, the first thing that came to my mind, I was gonna, I'm going to ask about the podcast in a second, but mm. the first thing that came to my mind was, I wonder if he's doing this. So if someone, so what wants to listen to this morning, I listen to Twickenham, I listen to... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, mine's gone blank. And I was like, oh, this my. is what people would listen to. I was thinking, oh, no one's going to listen to this. As in, like, you know, you wouldn't just turn it on and listen to it. And I could be totally wrong by that. But I thought, actually, no, what people will listen to it is when they're walking past these things. Yeah. And actually, it's almost like a, a, a real-life tour guide. Yeah. And then, and then I thought, actually, that's a really... It went from being, oh, I wonder what he's doing with this, to being, wow, what an amazing idea. 
And it's what I want to get across with the podcast. It's the history. It's yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. bit that's behind it. So one of the ones that I'm doing at the moment, right in the middle of, and we've got number three going up, is the Wimbledon Tennis Championships. So as you oh, know... Oh, yeah, that's what I listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Part so one. as you know... Ex- right, part one. Yeah, I think part two went up last week. We've got part three next week. And it's... And people know Wimbledon. They know it's one of the oldest tennis tournaments. But some of the yep. stuff that's in there, you know, for the fact that until 1921, if you were the champion, you didn't have to play until the final because everyone else played. And the person that got to the final then played you. So you just sat back, waited to see who was going to challenge you. They'd done seven <laughs> rounds and you just go off and beat them, which is absolutely potty but it's just mm. another piece of history that yeah it's just it's one of those things you just go god dear it, you know some of the some of the history is just incredible how did um how did the podcast come about so idea? with the podcast i just i just wanted to do something which was history orientated as in the history of london because right. what i could find what i could see from interactions is people really wanted to understand wanted to know the history Um, And funny enough, the first one I did was London Bridge without realising it at the time, which is the oldest piece of London history that we've got, because that dates back to AD 55 and the Romans. So actually, London was built around London Bridge. So if you want to know the history of London, you start with London Bridge, because there was no crossing going across until the Romans came. They built London Bridge in its first form in AD 55, because to get over from one side to the other, you actually had to go by ferry or by ferry boat, um, unless you went right inland and down to sort of as far as sort of Twickenham and that sort of way. There was no river crossing. And then London built its... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it wasn't until the Romans then started building London Bridge that London started forming as Londinium, and that's that's when London was created. So actually, you could say London formed because of London Bridge. And it's right first in of its many, London, many forms. Am I right in thinking that London Bridge got sold, or is that an urban myth? Urban myth. Yeah. So, so, so what happened was someone did buy... Uh, the myth is that someone thought they were buying Tower Bridge. Right. And an American bought an old style of London Bridge, which was sent block by block. And it's in okay. Ari- in the Arizona desert. Yeah, that's what, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I think it was the bridge. The bridge was rebuilt in 1973 to the one that we've got at the moment. But it wasn't. It was just like an arch bridge. This person <laughs> bought it. And it is. And it's still being used in the middle of an Arizona. I think it's the Arizona desert. But the the myth is that the guy came over and saw Tower Bridge and wanted to buy Tower Bridge, but bought the wrong bridge. That's the myth bit. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's understandable. Tower Bridge is pretty impressive. Oh, t- uh, that still sets the, uh, the old hairs on the back of my neck every single time I go past there and see it open. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I, used to, I used to work, actually, just the other side of Tower Bridge. I used to walk across Tower Bridge every day. Oh, and, did you? Yeah, and it's just like literally our office was on... Oh. Um, Oh, I can't remember the road now. It's not called Tower Bridge Road, I don't think. Maybe it's literally yeah, about three or four offices down on the left. Wow. But yeah. Incredible. Um, I, I want to ask you, so as a content creator myself, I know mm. how challenging and tough and hard work stuff is. And you're doing, you know, you're not just doing YouTube, which is difficult in itself. You're doing YouTube and a podcast. And I know you do some other bits and pieces as well. Mm. Tell me about some of the systems, processes you've put in place or basically how you, do you manage to get out content Yeah, burning out, basically? 
Uh, do you know what? Burnout is one of those things. Um, and thankfully, I haven't been near that point, but you hear it from a lot of creators. Um, yeah. For me, it's about being organized. When I'm not organized, that's when things start to feel a bit frazzled. So okay. I've got content on the channel ready to go three weeks in advance. Right. Okay. So I work on a three to four week timeline. So I'm going to be sorting the video out. So everything is filmed. So don't get yeah. me wrong. So I've actually probably got about a month to two months worth of material shot and ready to edit, but actually okay. on YouTube itself and scheduled ready to go, I've got three weeks done. Okay. So that includes, so we upload three times a week. So we upload a main video on a Sunday, another video on a Wednesday, and I always put a short up as well every Friday. Okay. Um, so that's three videos a week. Now what I've also started doing is I'm doing something, um, and I did this last week actually as a sort of a trial, and it seemed to go down quite well. So Mayfair have got their annual art festival, so I went and filmed that. But actually that's not okay. a long content, that's about four or five minutes. So actually I'll put another video on last Tuesday, uh, sorry, last Thursday, last Tuesday I did something else um, where they've got a new AR um, exhibition over in one of the shopping centres in London as well. So I put some okay. extra videos up. And I think for me, going back to your original question, how do you keep on top of it? For me, it's about making sure that you're prepared, you know what you're going to do in advance. You don't then think, oh, what am I going to put up this month? Or what am I going to put up this week? Actually, how, how I does, will sit... Sorry to interrupt you. How does that cool. fit in with your the stuff you said about, so for example, the morph... Um... Yeah, uh, walking trail so obviously yep. you're not and the what was the other one you said other oh, the art gallery yes uh, yeah the i'm assuming portrait. you're not yeah that's it national portrait gallery. i'm assuming you're not going to wait three weeks to put those out because no. obviously they're they're no. timely in nature which means absolutely yeah yeah people want to see it so for instance i had uh, something else planned for this wednesday the morph's going up this wednesday so therefore i bumped it back which is giving right, me okay. even greater timeline which yes, is fantastic. Okay. So I've put something which is not as timely further back. So right. the schedule is adaptable, but it's adaptable to the point which I've actually still got three weeks worth of material. And actually, if I put something in, actually, it's just going to be even more time to start yeah. doing it. And then I'll even look at it at that time and go, do you know what? That can wait a little bit longer and then put it through. How, um, did, how, did, you, how did you decide on that schedule? So every month I will sit down um at the end so it's coming to the end of the month now so i yep. know what's going up in july so actually i'll sit down at the end of this month and i will and i've got something in my diary which is a reminder in case i don't get around to doing it so i use my diary one heck of a lot for reminders and, and sort of yeah. stuff like that. it's just a google diary and i will then plan what i've got for august coming up okay. so july is all taken care of that's that's all done um and that's all pretty much edited you know you, i've got you, probably are you working full-time on this no, I'm not. No. Far from it. Far, far from okay. it. Have you got um, a full-time job as well? I have, yes. So I've got okay. a full-time job. I'm a voiceover artist. So as a full-time uh, job, I've got voiceovers coming in left, right, and center for various clients across the globe, depending on what they want. Um, and, and anything that's we may have heard. Um, so I've done over 70 books on Amazon, on Audible, uh, on nonfiction. Um, I've done TV stuff in the UK, but for some of the smaller satellite channels. I've done radio adverts for places all over the globe, but not necessarily here in the UK. Um, one of my biggest pieces of work I get at the moment is working for other YouTubers. So there's channels that I work with at the moment. One of the channels that I've worked with almost from the start has just hit a million subscribers. Um, so really, really pleased 
pleased and feel privileged to be working on that because when I started what, what working, what are you them, doing for them? I do their voiceovers. So they give me the okay. script and I produce the voiceover and then they build their video around my voice. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so this guy I started with, and when I started, he was on 200 subscribers and now has just hit a million in about five years, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, there's another other channels with over 200,000. You know. So these are channels that I quite often start working with at a lower base. But then as we go through, we build it, build it, build it. And it's a complete mix. I was going to say, have you learned anything from working oh. with these guys that you've taken into London visiting? So... So the great thing is I get to I feel see like this could script. have been a separate podcast all on its own. So I get to see the scripts. So when the scripts come over, quite often yep. it will start off with hook. So therefore, oh, this is the la- first it's labeled, you mean? Quite often, quite often, yep. some people will label it as the hook, the outro, right. the main body of it, which actually, when you then start thinking about it and how people are then being teased to carry on watching the video, helps you think, hang on a second, how do I keep people watching London Visited? How do I take that to that? Yeah, um, yeah and it's, I think that learning aspect of it, um, also that really helps in my voiceover work because when I tell people actually I'm a creator, and I know how YouTube works, people go, oh, right. They can relax because they know time pressures. I know I understand what time pressures of YouTube and creation and making sure it all goes on there and what it's all about. So that aspect of it keeps it real, keeps it organized, uh, but keeps the work coming in. So yeah, it, it really is. And I think the other bit as well, just seeing the growth that other channels are getting that I work with, I think that's also the bit that actually, do you know what the voicing aspect is the right thing? And therefore that links into the YouTube aspect of it as well. My YouTube. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing business to be in. How, how long have you been doing voiceover work? And also how does one get into voiceover work? Ah, funny. You should ask that. It's almost like, um, so, right. So how long have I been doing it? So actually I was doing community radio for 25 years. So I used to, um, uh, yeah, local hospitals and all the rest of it where I lived. So I did that and I started doing that because you know what? I just wanted to do something creative with an outlet. So I was not only presenting, I was also producing, I was doing the whole thing. So I'd rock up and go and see people get music, produce my own show. And then on a Saturday morning, I'd do a three hour nonstop radio show Um, and I did that for about 25 years family then came along and I just couldn't devote the time and you know what it's like something's got to give and this absolute passion this thing that I love doing had to go to the side because it was the right thing to do anyway as the family then grew older I thought then thought a few years down what can I do where I can still use my creativity still use my voice because I love talking to people and helping people Um, what can I do and I thought do you know what voiceover And actually to set up a voice, you set up your own voiceover studio, set it up from home, lots and lots of learning, lots and lots of trial and error and all the rest of it. Um, But actually I started doing it and I did it off my own back um, about five, six years ago. I started it as a part-time hobby um, whilst I was working a full-time corporate job. Had someone told, because now you tell me you're a voiceover artist, Mm. hearing you speak doesn't surprise me. You have that. You have quite an amazing voice. 
had someone said that to you previously to make you think this was even an option? Because I'd done community radio, hospital radio and all the rest of it, and I'd got comments from that, the feedback right. was people loved listening to the show because they loved the humour, they loved the way I presented, the way I spoke. That was the aspect of it. Uh, I see. So um, also within my corporate job, I'd also done a five-year stint where I'd also worked in our learning and development area. So actually, I was up and training people and talking to people and helping people and coaching people. So once again, that aspect of it, that that sort of help. And, um, and also, I'd done quite a few leadership roles. So it's sort of it's a culmination of all of that. And it was like, right, do you know what? I want to do this. Um, and the reason I did it is because... It was like the YouTube aspect of it. It was all thinking about the future. Okay, so what am I going to do when I retire? What? Because one thing I will not do, and they always say, if you want something done, ask someone that's busy because you just get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, yeah. and it, and it's always true because you always manage to fit it in. You always manage to do it. It's not a problem. Um, and I set everything up for a possible retirement. Well, uh, as the gods may have it, everything was set up. And about two and a half years ago, I was made redundant. Um, and actually, that was the point at which this thing that I'd started previously for retirement, yeah, all of a sudden it was like, right, let's go. Let's do okay. it. And it was literally bang, straight into it. But because I'd started doing it and setting it up as a hobby and I was working and I had clients and I'd got myself set up beforehand, bang, I was able to then turn it into a full-time business. Then taking the YouTube aspect on it, the podcast aspect, and everything was already going, already spinning. So I was doing a full-time corporate job where I was leaving home about half six in the morning, getting home about eight o'clock at night, yeah. still doing the YouTube video, still doing the podcast, still also doing the voiceovers. Um but then all of a sudden, it's like, right, let's go. Just turning the tap on. So sometimes these things happen for a reason. It's just like, yes. Oh, amazing. And haven't, haven't, looked at, haven't looked back since. Love it. Oh, congrats. Congrats. So, so, yeah. It's like I said a minute, I said a minute ago, I was having a chat with a friend of mine just before we came on. We were mm. talking about content creation and, and just why people do it and saying to him like it's just i mean how i'm assuming your kids are a bit older now are they they are um i've got a yeah. 17 year old and i've got a 12 year old um mm. and my 12 year old's got god knows how many instagram accounts and tiktok accounts and he's got got yeah. thousands of followers and all the rest of it for the different stuff that he's doing so he's building up his own social media presence um off the back of it and quite often we'll come and film stuff with me when i'm doing it at weekends and other bits because he wants okay. to be involved and we'll do the live streams together that we do once a month as well um and he'll operate all the gear whilst i'm out remotely doing stuff yeah. so it's it's become more and more of a family aspect as well so it's great oh, that's nice yeah yeah it's just i was going to say about the whole corporate life you know sort of going oh. out at half six getting home yeah. it's just yeah I, I just it was one of the biggest drivers for me of, of like leaving the corporate world like i had two yeah. young kids as i said and yeah. i just didn't want to i didn't want to do that yeah but yeah yeah it is it's one of those things it's like almost can you let go can you afford to let yeah. go can you afford yeah. to go and start it and sometimes something's got to happen you you've got to have that turning point you've got to have that catalyst almost that makes it happen and go right well so i guess if, if redundancy hadn't happened for you yeah i guess you wouldn't 
wouldn't be on this path probably presumably. probably not unless i could have devoted more time to the voiceover business to bring the income to come through and sort of yeah. supplement that yeah yeah but you okay. know what it's like when you're working in a corporate job there's all sorts of benefits that are included within that and actually yeah. can you afford to yeah. let those go or not etc but sometimes you just got to do it um so so that's that's how it started and how do you get into voiceover Interestingly enough, I've started a second YouTube channel, which I started about two or three months ago, where it is literally about voiceovers. And I'm teaching people how to become a voiceover artist on there, either doing it as a side hustle as part of a full time job or alternatively taking it from being a side hustle to something that's full time. In other words, using the experiences that I've been through over the five years to show people how to do it. Oh, wicked. What's it called? I'll link to it below. Yeah. Choice of Voice UK. Choice of Voice UK. Absolutely. So wants to be a, a voiceover <laughs> artist. Yeah. I, I, is there anything? I mean, I, this podcast could end up being like five hours if I answer all the questions. <laughs> is there anything? I don't know how to say it. You you have what I would call a very obvious voiceover voice. Does that, right. does that make sense? Okay. Is there something that people are looking for in voiceover artists? As in, can anyone do it to a certain yes. degree? They can. Okay. If that's what you want to do, if you haven't got the passion, like creator, like YouTube, like anything else, forget it. But if it's something that you want to do, everyone is looking for a different style. So there are hundreds of thousands of voiceover artists. Why would I get a job over someone that's been doing it for 20 years who you hear on the telly on a regular basis? It's because the client is looking for a... Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Get your ferry and all the rest of it. Exactly. (laughs) But everyone is looking for something different. Yeah. And that is the beauty. And the bit is you use your voice because it's your voice. Do not right. do something that other people you think want it to be. Now, they'll have a thing where they'll say, actually, I want a bit of laughter. I want a bit of humor. I want a bit of sadness. Or I want a corporate sort of thing or or whatever, or conversational. So they'll give you an yeah. idea. But it's still your voice. And everyone has their own voice. And there is a market for everyone, if that's what you okay. want to do. Interesting. Okay. But you could, yeah, there you go. Right. We could cover this another time if you like. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have part two, just a voiceover only. Let's go back to London Visited. Yeah, sure. Do you have a goal with it? Do you, are you, what are you trying to achieve with it? Yeah, I think when I first started, the goal was very much to help families come to London and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, the gold change, the goals change, and I actually write myself sort of a business plan, <clears throat> something that I got from my corporate world, funnily enough. And I thought when I was doing it and I worked in the corporate world, I thought, God, this is a pain in the backside every year. I've got to sit down, write yeah. goals, and, and all the rest <laughs> of it. But then when you leave it and you go, actually, do you know what? <laughs> it is actually yeah. funny when you start up your own business, you start doing it on yourself. Um, and that's changed quite dramatically. It's now, for me, it's not about subscribers. It's not about viewers. It's not about any of those vanity metrics. It's about the community. It's about the interaction. And the bit that drives this is the interaction that we get on videos from people's comments. It's about, so I post in the community post. I use that com- that community post. If no one, if people are listening, and they've got a YouTube channel, and they don't use a community post, you are absolutely missing it. Because I post daily on there, on the community post on YouTube. Um, And once again, I've got a process. So if I can make a process out of something, I will do. So I'll give you a for instance. So 
on a Sunday, I'll put a question on there where I'll run a competition. So it will be a London-based question. So there'll be a question on there, and then anyone that answers, then I'll pull someone from the hat, and then I'll send them a little London souvenir, like a pen or a magnet or something like that from London. No big budget stuff here, but actually it gets people thinking and gets people interacting. On a Monday, I'll post a picture of London, which I've been out the previous week or previous few weeks, um, which I'll then post. On a Tuesday, I'll then post a picture of what related to the competition answer. So to give you a, a heads up, yesterday's question was, what is the span of the arch at Wembley Stadium? Now, the reason I put that on there is I happened to be at Wembley Stadium a couple of weeks ago seeing Harry Styles in concert with the family. And I took a whole load of photos of that arch and I thought I've got to put a photo of the arch on there. So that's 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 the picture that's on tomorrow because it relates to the question that was on there on a, a Wednesday. YouTube have just given us the new quiz facility. I know they've been trying it with different bits. So I'll put a little quiz on there so people can then tick on that. And it's not related to a question or, or to a prize or anything, but people can just... So last week's question was, um, name the road in London where iron oxide has been added to the material. And you had things like Whitehall, Regent Street, um, I can't remember, and of course the Mall. And of course they put iron oxide in the Mall to make it red. So then they tick on that and it tells them and it gives them a bit more information about it. On a Thursday, I'll preview the video that's coming up on a Sunday. So I'll put a picture on there. Coming this Sunday, we've got a video on that. So it'll be a picture from... So I'm actually pre-getting people ready to the video that's actually been scheduled for the following Sunday. Um, on a Friday, I'll go back in history and I'll go back to one of our videos from the past couple of years so people can re-watch that if they didn't see that before. So once again, promoting the material. And on Saturday, I put another picture and that takes you round. So I do that every single week and people love it and they wait for it almost to the point that if I forget or something happens like it did <laughs> last week, because I didn't, because my trip to the National Portrait Gallery was on Thursday, because that's when it opened, I didn't put something on. And then people went, where's the post today? It's just like so. So you're so you're posting on the community feed, like oh. most people would post on a social feed of like you know LinkedIn or Twitter yeah. or wherever. So I do that as well. So also some of that is replicated straight onto Twitter, straight into our Facebook group, and also Instagram. But on um on YouTube on the community yep. thing, yeah, does that get shown to your subscribers or does it get shown and wider. wider as well? It gets shown wider. It? Yeah, yeah. So if you so look it's like, at your, so it's like any other social feed, if they think they're going to get the reach out of it, they'll give it. Yep. So if you go into your YouTube app on your mobile phone, you'll probably find yep. there's some community feed on there from something you're not subscribed to. And once you start oh, okay. interacting with it, YouTube knows and it's got you. And then it'll start feeding yep. you more of that stuff, etc. So yeah, it's brilliant. So sometimes, you know, you, some days you'll just get so many comments and I have to then be very careful because your time can get sucked very, very quickly going in and respond. So I respond to every single person's comments. Um, and that's something I love doing. And that's something we pride ourselves on, but I will now do it two or three times a day. So I'll go in and clear it up then go in, clear it up, go in and clear it up just to make sure I keep going. But if you don't use your community tab, you are missing a trick because the way people just love interacting, they'll tell you something about their lives. And actually, as you then build up these relationships with people, you get to know them, you get to know them more and more. And it becomes it becomes that thing. So when you and, and then to really build the community, when I'm then voicing something, I'll then say, Oh, so and so mentioned that they'd been here, yeah. this bit, this bit, especially for you. And then all of a sudden, they message you and go, Oh, my God, I can't remember that you I can't, I can't, 
can't believe that you remembered I said something and you put my name in the video. Yeah. It's like, it's about... It's funny, it's funny you don't hear many many people talk about the community tab side of things. It is it is so lost on so many creators. Everyone's thinking about creating the video and getting the video out there, getting the likes, getting the, you know, getting the subscribers, getting the views. But if you build the community tab, it's a self-profiling prophecy because you'll put stuff on there, you regenerate stuff. It's I th- I consider YouTube just to be a wider audience of people that I've worked with, people that I know. And it's and using it as that, that's what builds it. And that's organic growth. And that is the true organic growth. And then everything else will look after it. So what I've now started doing is adding extra bits. I've just started an email list. We've had our first newsletter at the end of last month. The end of this month, we've got a second newsletter going out. And people are now excited waiting for that to come out. It's You're building a community of people. I tell you what, if you've never read it, here's what, I've got a book for you. Um, and it's the best book I've ever read. And it's actually from a YouTuber. So Pat Flynn, you know, Pat Flynn. I, I, I am familiar with Pat Flynn. Yeah. Right. He has written a book called super fans. Super fans. Yeah. And I've got it on my Kindle. Actually. I haven't read it yet, but it's on my Kindle. It is a book you could probably read in a couple of days. Um, and it is probably one of the most powerful books because it stops you thinking about YouTube viewers as viewers it starts you thinking about them as people that are there for you wanting what you're doing because you've built a community forget you know something goes viral that's a bonus you're not looking for that you're looking to build that relationship and therefore when i'm narrating something it is done with that aspect i'm talking to friends i'm not talking to teach people that's that's what it comes from yeah and if you no, do it from that I, aspect, I, you can't go wrong. Okay, so without sounding like a total mercenary, no, go from com- yeah, 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 yeah. To, yep. mon- to community to yep. monetization, yeah. Do, do, do you think about is it uh, on your radar the monetization monetization aspect without doubt the visited without doubt. Um, but I know by having this as my business strategy, the monetization bit will always be there. It will not fluctuate unless, of course, YouTube takes the rug away. But then again, I'm building an email list um, on the website. I've now started putting pictures that people can buy to support the channel. So these are oh, just really? pictures okay. that I take of London. And then if people want to buy that purely to support the channel, it's three pounds a photo, they get a 4K photo, which I'll then send them. So I've just used started using MailChimp as a sort of a whole service provider to be okay. able to do that. Um, you use Patreon as well, don't you? I do use Patreon and I've got members on Patreon. I've got members on YouTube as well. Um, and... I get, um, we have a monthly podcast for them, a monthly video for them. Funny enough, that's what I've done this morning, the video I've just knocked out. And I think the other bit is if anyone's, anyone's listening to this and thinking, and they've started a YouTube channel, okay? And they're thinking, oh my God, it's a nightmare editing and, and getting stuff done. It's amazing. The more you do it, the more proficient you come, the more time you get. So this morning, uh, it, and it's just something, it, it was just, it was something, that I was thinking about for this conversation, what have I learned is yes, it takes time to start with, but wow, how quick you can do it. So yesterday I knocked out about, yeah, I knocked out two or three videos yesterday and each one probably took me about 
half an hour in total, start okay. to finish, and voicing, and music on the back of it, and transitions and all the other bits and pieces to the point where I can then hit the button on YouTube to let YouTube upload it. What do you use to edit, out of curiosity? Um, Premiere Pro. Okay. Because I use Adobe Edition for my voiceovers. So uh, I've got I've now got the whole Adobe you're, suite. You're in, you're in the ecosystem of Adobe. I've now got the whole Adobe suite, which is just absolutely beautiful because I've now started using Adobe Express to make some of the thumbnails pop. Right. Okay. Which comes as part of it. So of course it's got Photoshop, but that's that's for another day to go and learn. <laughs> but my how, son's how delighted. How was your editing experience prior to sort of I mean, you said you're now doing it in yeah. that time. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's rare because my my um, database of people I've talked to about it is probably not wide yeah. enough to, to make that assumption, but it sounds quick. How, how, how have you, you sort of, what what was your learning point, so, you know, last five yeah. years? Yeah. So I started probably for the first three years, all of the stuff that I had, I was filming on my phone. It was then uploading on, because uh, I use the Google, I use the Android infrastructure. Um, everything was uploaded on Google Photos. I then downloaded it from Google Photos onto my tablet and I was editing on a tablet. So everything oh, cool. was on okay. there. Um, and everything was not 4K. It was just, you know, the best quality I could get on my phone and doing. Um, actually, and this is another bit, whilst I have a 4K Sony camera, I've only had that for just over a year. Actually, I still now use my phone um, because because the quality of stuff. So I don't know what type of, I've got a Samsung um, and it is absolutely incredible. So I cannot take a normal camera into the National Portrait Gallery or to Harrods or anything else like that with a gimbal because they think you're a professional. So the number of times people have said, sorry, you can't film here. And I then just get out my personal camera and they can't stop you. <laughs> yeah, unless they've got a strict no photography policy and that's different. And actually the quality that comes off the back of it is another reason people to go, do you know what? I'll wait until I've got the money, buy myself a decent camera, then I'll start YouTube. Absolute hog. Absolute hogwash. Don't even do it. Just get your phone out. They are incredible. And well, even the, the thing, best right? I, mean, I, I agree with you. I, I've got an iPhone 14 Pro or something. Yeah. And it's just it's just one less barrier to think about, right? Oh. Like you've got your phone in, phone in your pocket. You see something, yep. oh, film, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, actually, if I catch a stuff, um, and I did this with the Tom Cruise thing that I saw the other night, I literally filmed him on it, edited it, and put it somewhere within seconds. Because because you can just that's that's the beauty of the infrastructure. It is so easy. Provided you you think, actually, do you know what? There's a way of doing it. Actually, I'll go and YouTube it or I'll go and work out, or you know, you'll come up with it. So do not let the lack of gear, equipment, or anything. It is not a barrier. Another reason, just to flip and do it. Okay. When you put out your content, yeah. whether it be podcasts, videos, yeah. whatever, do yeah. you do you look at the analytics behind yeah, it? Yeah, I do. Do you? Um, so I talked earlier about the system of this process I've got called ClickUp where I put all my ideas for videos. What I've also done is I've actually got a whole timeline going across. So I'll have... 
ideas in the making. I'll also then have stuff that I filmed waiting to be scheduled. So I've got a whole bank of stuff that's ready to go. I'll have stuff that's ready to edit where I've got dates on. So it's ready to go all in order. And then I've got another list within that of all the stuff I've edited that's ready to go that's been uploaded to YouTube already. Then I've got the stuff that's been published within the last week. And then I change that into one week review. So I'll always review something exactly one week after. So I know how that's doing. And what I'll always look at is I'll look at there's the community aspect of it. So how many views has it had? But more importantly, how many likes and how many comments? So what I'll do is I'll add the likes and the comments together and divide it by the volume of views, because that shows you the community interaction. So. Yeah, now it's easy for people to click a like button, but actually for dropping comments and things like that, it's included in there. So I will know actually, is this a good one? Is it a, is it one that's actually with the community? And the other bit I'll also look after, look at as well is the click through rate. So I'll always just, look at the just going back. See what's going. Just going back to the other one. What what's a good yep. score on the community score? For me, <laughs> it depends because if it's had massive massive views, yep. then that aspect will come down. I'm normally looking. On average, it's getting somewhere between 20, 15 and 20% for the first okay. few weeks. And then and this is a, a metric you do yourself, right? Yes, Just, it is. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a metric I do myself on all my videos. And I've been doing this now for 18 months. So I've got about 18 months worth of data. Where, where did that come on from, every that single idea? Um, it was from someone that I watched um, called Channel Makers. If you follow no. Channel Makers at all. No, okay. Right. So, a guy on Channel Makers called Nate, um, and actually, it was through there because there's no real way of knowing actually what's the community engagement, what's the engagement like. Yeah. You can look at CTR, you can look at other bits and pieces, but actually, if you just add those two metrics together, so it's your likes and the number of comments, divide it by the volume of views, it gives you an idea. So, okay. for me, I'm ha- if I got about 20 percent for the first week, that's that's a video that's landed well within the right. community aspect of it. But then also taking into account click-through rate, and I then have a good look at the click-through rate and see what the click-through rate is on there. Now, one of my best performings probably got about a 10% click-through rate. One of my lowest performing on there is probably about one and a half. But then again, the one and a half aspect of it was probably the Harrods video I did last Christmas, which had a quarter of a million views, which absolutely blew. So, yeah, it absolutely blew. But then again... It's, it served it out, and the volume of impressions was absolutely mad. It was bonkers. Yeah. So, so for us, Christmas in London is a critical time because yeah. as soon as those decorations start hitting, so back to the bit of knowing when stuff is happening, as soon as I know when, when different stores are releasing their decorations, I'm straight in there, and that video is out within 24 hours. Nice because people want to see it all over the globe. And also, if you do it early enough, people can then go into the websites of these stores and order the stuff before it's all sold out. So it goes global. So I'm actually doing these businesses a big favor, but actually people want to actually shop from it and take it from there, let alone look at all the Christmas stuff. So, yeah. Have you ever had anyone reach out to you to do something on a more commercial level in London? (laughs) Oh, Timing is absolutely everything with this podcast, Chris. Um, Interestingly enough, I've had a property developer I'm in conversation with at the moment who has developed a piece of London um, and they want me to cover it on London Visited. So this is a piece of uh, an old piece of Docklands, which they've 
kept it's grade one listed but they've actually rebuilt they've regenerated they've got commercial property there they've got residential property they've got all sorts of nightlife i've not covered it before they want me to go in and cover it so at the moment i'm putting a proposal together with them to see what comes off the back of it and actually are they wanting me just to do it for youtube or actually are they going to repurpose the gear themselves and then use it on their website etc so we're having that conversation now so that's amazing isn't it like you know, before you started the channel, something like that would never happen. It would never, never. So I now follow um, a couple of people on YouTube um, who I watch religiously. And because I've watched them, actually, I've now got the confidence to talk to these people. And these are major property developers. These aren't people you haven't heard of. These are big property developers. And I wouldn't have had the balls before to say to him so are you going to use my content and are you going to want to repurpose it and are you going to put it onto there and are you wanting me to shoot a set of videos for you and are you going to want it on social oh, you'd media have been, you'd have been so grateful you'd have probably done it for free or like i would have done mean? i would have done yeah. just to go oh my god yeah but actually i've been able to I've been able to, with comfort, say to them, right, give me a week to think about it. I'll send you my media pack. And actually, yeah. I'll give you a whole load of questions so we can then sort of flush it out. Yeah. And it's incredible. And actually, if anyone's interested, it's called um, Creator Wizard. And there's a guy called Justin Moore on there. Get on his email list. He sends out emails every three weeks. Uh, but it then starts you thinking about YouTube in a completely different way because it then sort of puts a business head on it as well. Right. I think I've heard Amazing. of him, actually. Yeah, Creator Wizard is the name. I'll, I'll, link, Justin I'll, I'll link to it downstairs. Yeah, okay. it's 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 fantastic. Um, but downstairs? if I hadn't watched... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. Down below. <laughs> <laughs> down, down there somewhere. <laughs> um, but it's... Uh, you know, I, I just came off the phone call with these people. And whilst whilst I was on the call, all I could go is, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe it. Put the phone down, and it was just like a, a whoop and a holler around the house. It was just like, oh, my God, what the hell's and going on? And to them, they probably didn't really think anything of it. It was just like, I'll oh, just no. chat to this guy about putting yeah, out a thing. And- exactly. And the way you've got to think about it is – and I've had people come out to me and I've just gone, no, I'm not interested because actually there's got no relevance at all to the channel. So I'm not going to sell it. But actually, these people – want people to go over to there and actually i'm the bridge between the viewers and them and actually that connection piece and if you don't think of it like that as you say you would have just been gone oh my god i can't believe this company have reached out to me and they're gonna it's like wow yeah amazing it is what's (laughs) the best way to i just yeah you blow me away for that one Uh, what's the best way to stand out from the crowd be yourself what, what do you, without what do you, a doubt what do you, be yourself okay be yourself um there are too many people on youtube trying to be something that they see other people do do you know what it's, and it's crap i i feel like i might have to change that question because everyone says the same thing yeah and, you're right, and, and that's not a, a slur yeah. on you at all I, no it's bang it's bang on right. the money do you, another thing i would also add is keep your passion about why you're doing it because also it's very easy when you go down this thing called youtube and you go down this thing called social media it's easy to have your head turned so lots of people say if you're going into youtube think of it as a business think of it as a business yeah you do need to think of it as a business because this thing develops and all of a sudden you go from having two or three people and you're flicking your stats every day just to see how many more subscribers (laughs) you've got and then all of a sudden you get to the beer and we're on we're coming up to 9,000 subscribers. Um, and 
the hardest bit was to get to that monetization to that thousand. That was mad. As you get to a hundred, I think they yeah. Well, they they have and they haven't. So the five hundred subscribers unlocks things like super chat. It unlocks. Uh, membership it unlocks those bits it doesn't unlock the advertising revenue you've still got to have a thousand so what they've done is they've tweaked it slightly to keep people in there but it's bonkers because to get to that thousand it feels like it's never going to happen and for us our journey it took us just over two years to get to a thousand subscribers and you just thought you're never going to do it you're never going to do it and then all of a sudden We've gone from that, and that was not last November, the November before, and now we've gone from that, and we're nearly at 9,000. And I know we'll be above 10,000 um, by the end of the year because with Christmas, it just it, the channel just goes bonkers yeah. at that time. But what then happens is you get to that bit where it's 10,000. And this is where this is all about vanity and these metrics. And yeah, I look at it. But actually, the key bit is if you're growing your community, you keep people there. So you don't get people in because they see a video and go, I expect another video next week, another one on the Natural Portrait Gallery and another one on the Natural Portrait Gallery and another one. Actually, if you've got a community, people stay because they want that aspect they get to know you as an individual they get to know you as a creator but they also get to know other people within the community and what's what's fascinating is i'll have a look at the community feed and people are having conversations with each other and answering (laughs) each other's bits and people going oh wow that's a really interesting piece of info and then he's just like they're building oh it's just it's incredible it's yeah. What what, what when you, I know I know you said it's vanity metrics to a certain degree, but when you were mm. going from that naught to a thousand, you said two mm. years took it. Yeah, just over. What, yeah, it was about two and a half stopped, years. What stopped you saying? Years. Do you know what? I just it's just not can't be bothered. It's just not working or whatever. If you haven't got the passion behind what you're doing, you will think yeah. that. It's as simple as yeah. that, which is why you've got to choose the right niche in the first place for what you're doing, and you've got to have that yeah. faith and confidence. Do you know what? It will come through. So yeah. only. Um, 90% of people don't make it to the 1,000 subscribers. 90%, which is absolutely bonkers. This is a stat. 90% of people don't make it to 1,000 subscribers. They give up. Don't make it. Okay. Don't make it. Yeah. And also the average lifespan of a YouTube channel is between five and seven years. Yeah. So their stats, so if you listen to people like Nick Nimmin, um, Sean Cannell, all those people, and and it's worth keeping in that infrastructure because actually they're creators and whilst they, you know, you take some of the stuff they say with a pinch of salt, but actually, do you know what? It's worth yeah. being in there. Um, and then you start finding your own ones that you can really resonate with, which I have, and it's absolutely fascinating because I almost consider him a mentor, but it's not a mentor because actually when you're watching – because I'm part of the community, yeah. it's actually worth investing in. Um, these people are absolutely spot on because they know where it's happening. Um, yeah. And there's a guy who I really advise people follow, a guy called Daniel Batel, B-A-T-A-L. Um, yeah. And um, it's worth joining his membership. I think I pay two, £3.99 a month YouTube membership. And actually you get on his videos, you know, you get members only videos and that, and they'll just do a live stream and just talk about life. But he's real as opposed to stuff yeah. where people have hit million subscribers and are gone. And it's just all about smashing the like button. It's, it's not, it's about getting that aspect, right? Yeah. 
So, but yeah, back to your original question. If you haven't got a passion for what you started in the first place, because you think that's what people want, you're screwed. Yeah. Because you yeah, will yeah. get to that point when you've only got, and your subscriber count's not going, it's not going, it's not going. And you just think this is just an absolute waste of time. If you haven't got did that you, purpose, did you have any, like, did you have any milestones on the way to a thousand, like was a hundred or? Oh, hit a hundred and it was just like, oh my God. And then hit 500 and that was like, geez. And then thousand was just like party because that yeah. was just, and then <laughs> and you're, you're just refreshing the stats every two minutes. Come on, come on, come on. You know, you've got the live ticker counter that's going, that's going, that's going. Um, yeah. Which is absolutely incredible, and it's daft because it's you know it's the it's the YouTube gods and the stats and all the rest of it ruling it. Um, but I think once you get to the thousand, you get to that point where actually, do you know what? It doesn't matter how many you've got. Actually, you build the community; it will then increase. And I know once I get over ten thousand, that journey then from ten to twenty will just go like that because it's so common. That it just Casey Neistat, like Casey Neistat did a video about that, and he he yeah. he, he tracked his naught to a thousand, thousands, and it was like, I think I can't remember the exact numbers, and I'll butcher it, but he went from something like a million to three million in like a month or something. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it is mad. As soon as they hit a million, it's like bang. Um, I yeah. remember VidIQ. I think they hit a million. Um, once again, there's another good channel for people that are starting there's a number of good channels that are out there um to sort of piggyback on the back of to learn learn your craft and get involved although most people in vidIQ want to do sub for sub you know they start messaging people i'll sub you if you sub don't do it for crying out loud um but you know they hit a million i think it was at the beginning of the year and now they're on one and a half million Mm. and it's just like i guess it becomes that point where you What's the what's the phrase? Where just, you, you almost do it almost because everyone else does it. Exponential, right? Yes, it becomes it does. almost an exponential thing. Yeah. And then, like, if I if I tell you to watch something, yeah, then that's two of us. And then you tell yeah. someone, and that's three yeah. of us. And then that yeah. three becomes yeah, like that whole word of mouth spirals. And that's where that word that number as well, because people then get seen that got so many people following. So actually, this must be good. So actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, FOMO yeah. kicks in, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> What, um, I was going to tell her. Uh, huh? No, I was going to say something. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, it's that bit. Once it starts, that momentum just, it just goes. Snow, the snowball effect, right? But have that belief. Have that belief. It will happen. It will happen. Okay. What's something you struggle with or find tough? I still find it tough when I'm out and I'm doing a piece and I'm talking to camera. Do you? As ridiculous as it sounds. It's just not ridiculous. And funny enough, I, I watched a video the other day with this guy who was proving this point, and he was walking through an airport, and he had his camera yeah. up, and he had his mic. Yeah. And he said, he goes, I want to prove something to you. He, goes, he said, everyone who's watching this who is terrified about speaking in public, he said, no one cares. Mm. And he, he walked through this airport terminal, got a hand camera like this, yeah, just chatting away. And you could see in the background, not one person turned around. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm the same as you. I, oh. I it's bonkers. So when I do these walking tours, which I've done, mm. and I'm talking to the camera for an hour, um, I did one one um, video which was almost two hours because I did all of the royal parks in London and how to get between them and all the rest okay. of it and the history and all the rest of it. It was just like ongoing and talking. But you are just so conscious because when you walk past a group of people and it, it's just it's stupid, but you are so flipping conscious of it. 
You really are. Um, does anyone ever? Does anyone ever shout anything at you? Yes, lots. It's become more of a standard now, um, yeah. especially if you get the timing wrong and you happen to walk past a pub, and people all think they're the big. Um, and I've had it. Where was I? I had I was in Winter Wonderland and I was doing some filming and someone shouted something abusive. Um, oh, actually, I wasn't doing filming. I was doing a live stream. Um, but thankfully, oh, nice. the reception wasn't strong enough at that point because everyone was using their mobile phones at Winter Wonderland at that time. So the yeah. reception wasn't strong enough, so it didn't go through. Um, and also on one of these walks uh, that I've done that someone went, oh, hello, you, and, and, and being a <laughs> – and all you actually want to do to them is just turn around and just tell them where, what they are. Uh, in front of their mates, just yeah. to, but they think they're the big I am. But it's it's one of those things. Anyway, it's called the out uh, the power of the edit button, and all of a sudden yes. they've disappeared into the ether. So you carry on. <laughs> so what what what, uh, what would you say to someone who's listening who suffers from the same fear about? You just got to break through it. You just got to do it because if yeah. you don't do it, you never do it. So just. It's like anything in life. You can procrastinate as long as you like, but if you mm. don't do it, you're never going to work through it's it. Almost, it's almost normalised now, right? I mean, there's so many yeah. people doing it. I mean, like it every is. day, like, yep. you know, some of the biggest creators in the world Absolutely. are doing it. Yeah. It's, quite, it's, it's weird that we still think of it as, a, feel, as a... Yeah. Yeah. Still feel as one of those funny things. Um, and yet everyone's got their mobile phone out and they're filming whatever they're filming for, for their own memories or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's just a normal thing. So once again, don't let it be a barrier. Just go do it. Because Fair if enough. you don't, you'll make it even bigger in your head. So yeah. I still find it tough. Um, I still find it uncomfortable. But I will go and do it because actually it's the right thing to do. And just have your faith and belief that's the right thing to do. Okay. If you could shadow one YouTube creator, or or podcaster, I guess, for that matter, yeah, um, for the day, who would it be and why? It's really interesting, actually, because I wouldn't shadow anyone. um, I, I would probably shadow someone from sort of hobbies. And things that I watch, which is completely non-London related, because fine, that's that's fine. Um, and the reason for that, so one of the things I absolutely love, my sort of breakaway from it all, is getting to the Lake District. It's my okay. favourite place on the planet. I just love walking, getting on top of the mountains, um, camping, all that sort of stuff. That sort of just getting away from it and just chilling. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'd probably follow some of them. And the reason for doing that is the shots that they take, the camera gear, not the camera gear, but the, the camera shots, the way that they get what they get, the sort of the, the patience, the sitting around waiting for the sun rises, the, the dedication they've got to their craft, I think is something I could learn even more about. Yeah. So and, and trans- transferable skills that you could bring precisely. back to your own channel. Yeah. And that's, and that's why because it's yeah. all then transferable. So, you know, I, I do learn a lot from watching other people and how other people are doing stuff. Um, but there's there's a couple of guys that do a lot of walking up in the lakes, and I'd, I'd probably follow them. One's called the Solo Summiteer, um, and another guy called Black Crag. Um, and they just go up, walk the mountains. They're talking to their camera, funnily enough, and they're doing all mm. of that. But you can see they have issues with it, because whenever they're doing it, there's no one around them. Yeah. So interestingly enough, it's... It's that back to that commonality, but the shots that they get on just by using um, a GoPro, yeah, you yeah. know, is just absolutely immense. 
but they set it all up and they get it all going. It's, I could learn so much from that. I'm gonna check those guys out. I love a I love a good walking video. Oh, which is, which uh, is something I which is something I never oh, thought I'd say. Yeah, um, me and my wife watch this guy called Liam Brown. I don't know if you're right. familiar with him. No, he just walks around, films it, chats right. about it, camps, yeah. wild camps, walks around, yeah. and you think to yourself, like, why would anyone watch this? Yeah, but then you look at it; it's got like a quarter of a million views. Yeah, or and it's just and we watch it like I, it, he's one of a handful of people I've got the bell on for, and yeah. if it comes yeah. out, we will watch it that evening or the next yeah. evening. Yeah, it's kind of funny, isn't it? You just see it, it just, is. It kind of highlights what people will watch. Yeah, or what people also, find interesting. Yeah, and how you go about consuming it as well. Because when mm. these guys release a video, I won't watch it immediately. I'll watch it when the family aren't around, and I can actually get on the telly and watch it. Yeah, same. Because yeah, we watch it yeah, on the telly. If, because the four K just pops, and it's just yeah. like oh, and so you change your whole viewing habit based around the. It's just incredible. Do you know what? Do you know, what, Steve? This is why I love YouTube because yeah. it's whatever I am into at the moment, whatever yeah. my wife is into, whatever we're yeah. into together. There is someone who's created videos yeah. about it, Absolutely. and it's not just some like you know with fifty views, hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. But it just shows that it's people, and you think to yourself, oh, why would I bother watching some shite like Love Island or or EastEnders? I, do you or know whatever? what? I think this weekend was the first weekend I've actually watched proper telly for a long time because I was glued to Glastonbury. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, it's funny you say that. If you if you if you took like Bake Off, I'm old now. Oh. If you took Bake Off and MasterChef out of yeah. our viewing rotation, yeah, I'm not totally sure we'd watch domestic TV. No, ever. no. I'll put the news on just to see what's going on in the world. Yeah. But apart oh, from yeah. that, Glastonbury has been the first time I've watched proper telly. I've actually sat down and made a point. So and you know what it's like as a creator when you're busy and you're doing your own thing. I will yeah. sit at my desk until about 11 o'clock at night, you know, all mm. day, just like vroom, stop for dinner and all the rest of it. But actually to sit and watch some of the music this weekend was absolutely immense. And I think what happens is as you become a creator, you become more distinct with your time. You know, time is precious. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you are very much more choosy about what you watch, what you consume, and when you consume it. Yeah, because I agree. You have those, and you build your life around it. It's back to that organisation aspect of it. Yeah. It comes. It just naturally happens, which is another message to anyone thinking about YouTube. Just think about how you consume stuff. Well, there we what go. are let's, you doing? Let's segue on to the next question then. Oh, about okay. um, if, some, if someone came up to you and said, do you know what, Steve, I'd really like to start a channel. Yep. Um, what would you tell them? Um, do it. Bear in mind, you shared a lot of advice already. <laughs> I, to, uh, <laughs> I would say, I might have to get was, the edit out myself. Yeah, that's it. Just go back and cut that back in. Um, yeah. I would say, do it. Think about okay. what you're really passionate about and do it. But think about where you're going to carve out time. So you can have as much money in the world, but you and I and everyone else has 24 hours. That's it. That's what you've got. No ifs, buts, or maybes. Choose what you want to do and allocate the time accordingly. So yeah. get rid of some of the crap that you might be doing. Get. I'll tell you what, the best thing I ever did was delete TikTok. That was the best thing I ever, ever did. Because that is a flipping nightmare. Because you start on there and all of a sudden, 
it serves you and you're on there for 40 minutes and you think, what the hell have I done with my time? Do you know what, Steve? It comes back to what you just said a second ago about the consumption versus creation, oh. right? Like, take everything, take everything else out of the equation. You are yep. either a consumer or a yep. creator, yep. ultimately. Yep. And it's about where you want to portion that time, right? Spot on. Yeah. So think about your time and use it wisely. I get really cheesed off when my time is volunteered for stuff that actually I've got no power over. Does that make sense? It's one yeah. of my sort of real values and real niggles is the only thing we have got control over is our time and where we spend it. And you you need to think about what you're doing with it. So I'll give yeah. you a prime example is your invite to me to come on this today. So yeah. the, the decision was, do I actually invest my time and do this? What am I getting out the back of it? Actually, what am I getting out the back of it? I am getting out the back of it that I'm helping other people to start in the YouTube arena. That actually, do you know what? If this helps a person, two or three people that might listen to this, to actually start thinking, do you know what? I'm just going to start yeah. a channel. I'm going to do something. That's what it's about. And it's about using your time and choosing to use it wisely because the moment at which you just let it go because you are scrolling on this and you're scrolling yeah. on social media and all the rest of it, it's too easy. Be really conscious about what you do with your time and that's where you get your time to do all of this stuff that you really want to do and build it in. And use a diary, use set up a process. It's all of that stuff. It all comes together. And it's yeah. back to that. If you want something done, ask someone that's busy because they'll always get it done. <laughs> Solid advice. It's, Solid advice. It's it's so true. It's yeah. so true. No, it is. I, I, I mean, I'm not on a high horse here. I, I agree with you. And I, I look back on what I've been doing the last sort of six months. And again, I come back to the conversation I was having with friends before we jumped on. Mm. We were talking about this. Mm. I was like, I, I sort of, I fell off the, the wagon a little bit and I just, you know staying up late watching rubbish mm. getting up late and it's just like you get into this circle you think to yourself oh I, that molly may got in trouble a little while ago she said she made some comment about um everyone has the same 24 hours and she got absolutely panned for it because she's got money and she's got support and and it's not equal but the, the but kind what of did she theory, do with her time but the theory is correct, right? It and is. It's, it's like whether you, whether you want to go down that Molly May route or not, it's a different yeah. question. But ultimately, it's what do you want to achieve and what Spot do you on. do you want it enough to say, do you know what, I'm not going to watch Netflix for an hour? Yeah. Or, you know, if you can afford, and, it, and it's not right for everyone. I know that, of course no. it's not. But, you know, and if she can pay video editors to do the stuff and to do the mm. bits, what's she then doing with her time? Is she then growing her business in a different way? Because she's got the time to do it. And money does give you that and it gives you different aspects to take different bits. But then what are you doing with your time? Now, if she's saying, yeah, you've got to make all your time and do, and then she is sitting back and just watching Netflix and chilling and going on social media and just chilling and all the rest of it, that makes mm. a difference. But I don't think anyone should be panned. If, they, if they're looking at their 24 hours and going, this is what I'm going to do. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you can't take breaks, that you can't, you know, just go and take 10 minutes off, go and, you know, just chill for 10 minutes and then come back to it. And actually, there's a bit that says your concentration period is 20 minutes. Okay, your optimum concentration period on any single thing is 20 minutes unless you, you change it up. And yeah. that's that's really important. So you've got to do something to keep that going because actually being 14 hours in front of a PC, in front of a screen, 
doing whatever is not productive. You need to be able to break it down to get that re-energy and, and keep re-energizing. But yeah. just be just be mindful of what you're doing and make choice with what you're doing with your time. Okay. If we spoke again in, in 12 months' time and you said, yeah. Chris, do you know what? It's been a really, really good year for me, yeah. for London Visited, for yeah. my voiceover business. What would have happened? Um, I think, yeah, it, it would be down to the community aspects again, building that community, building even more of a solid community, more people that have got involved in the channel, more responses, um, and naturally the channel will have grown as a result of that in whatever metric you look at, because you've got more people that are coming on all the time. Um, and actually, do you know what? I think one of the one of the bits is that the more you do this sort of thing, the more natural it becomes. Hmm. And actually, it, I find myself doing less time on it, but getting greater results from it within the community aspect well, because you're honing, you're honing your craft. Yeah. You're honing your craft all the time. You've, you've mentioned community quite a lot. Yeah. This. Like, yeah. Where did that come from? Because not everyone thinks like that. No. Um, I'll tell you where it comes from. Um, it's it, it comes from something which is called, uh, and this is very business focused, uh, back from 1994, there was a paper done by Harvard um, and it was called the Service Profit Chain. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. But, but it all starts with, if you look after your people, as an employer so actually if you look after the employee they will jump through hoops of fire for you to give brilliant customer service etc etc so at the end of it you've got profit so there's seven seven aspects of it okay so you've got looking after the employee at the very very bottom which then gives you profit at the very very end going through different parts of it and i'm a great believer and always have been that actually if you look after the end user the end user is the watcher, the community, that aspect of it. Everything else will follow. Right, okay. And that's where it comes from. Now, I've applied that in my business life all the way through my corporate life, and it's always been successful. Look after the employee. Your employee is engaged. They go out and give brilliant satisfaction. Customer engagement is really, really good. They buy more stuff. Bang. That's that's the sort of the chain. Do you know what? It's Get the funny. community it's, aspect. It's, it's, it's very simple. Yeah, it is. But it's amazing how many people don't do that. I know. Because yeah. they're too busy looking at, I've got to get the material out. I've got to get the material out. I've got to get the, the video. Is the I don't even just mean in YouTube. I mean in life. I mean, yeah. people I've yeah. worked for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and people wonder why employee engagement is through the floor. Yeah, Actually, true. if you look after people, get to know people, build a relationship with people as, as you know them, remember yeah. something about someone, it makes one hell of a difference. It's not much to ask in life. It's about relationships. And actually, with tech and all the rest of it, it's very easy to break that away. And tech has its purpose, and tech is amazing. And actually, mm. it gives you a lot of the time that you didn't have before. But you've still got to remember that relationship you have with an individual. And whilst you may look at that comment and go, oh, crap, I've got another comment to answer, to acknowledge or whatever. Actually, yeah. this is an individual who's taken time to interact with you and your channel for a particular reason. Even if it's a nice video comment or, yeah. or whatever, that is an individual. Now, my biggest worry and my biggest concern is if this spirals out of control, 
then how do I keep that community aspect going when you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of these coming in every day? I don't know, but there's, that's that's to figure I mean, a good, out a, a good problem to have right amazing problem to have yeah but it's it for me it's community all the way it really is start with looking after the people you're doing it for a person you've got an individual yeah. you're looking at down the barrel of that camera yeah that's yeah or that on the microphone that's who you're doing it for get that bit right everything else will look after itself have faith and that I think is a great place to draw an end to this podcast. Um, if anyone wants to come say hi, yeah, where should I put in the show notes to direct them to? I'll obviously link to um, the podcast, the YouTube yeah, channel. Um, yeah. And if people want a message, yeah, they can. Uh, we've got uh, londonvisited.co.uk or londonvisited.com. We've got contact us form on there. Um, there's there's all sorts of uh, – we're on social media, at London Visited on okay. social media, so you can find us – wherever just come and say hello um and come and get involved and if you want to know something about london just let us know we're here all right everyone that's your mission go say hi to steve steve <laughs> thank you so much for your time Chris, today absolutely I, amazing i have thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you likewise likewise and, my I friend. Could... and well done keep the material going keep it going keep balancing your life because <laughs> with children family and all the rest of it yeah, it yeah. happens um but what a beautiful place to do it from, but just, just do it. And no, well I want to thank you genuinely, because I think um, I could have, you're one of those guests I speak to and I think, Oh God, I could have, I could have chatted to you for hours and hours and hours. And uh, that for me is a sign of a good podcast. So thank you oh, for your time today. It's absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. And uh, once again, if anyone's listening and thinking about it, don't think about it. Don't procrastinate. Just start. Because if you don't start, you've got nothing to improve on. That was 10Q Interview with Steve Atkins Linnell, the man behind London Visited. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure you did. What an unbelievably cool guest Steve was. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels to at 10Q Interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. Make sure you've subscribed wherever you're listening to this. And the next 10Q Interview episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care.